a ton of people who have recently given their life to Christ. Go ahead and go to the next slide. Um, we've had a ton of people who've either given their life to Christ or rededicated their life to Christ this school year. And we like to do a baptism service at least once a semester if we can. Um, and so it'll be coming up here in the next month or so. And so um, if you would like to be baptized, and what I want you to do is start praying about it now. Start talking to God about it now. Um, really decide if you need to be, if, if God wants you to be baptized or if you want to be baptized. Um, and so I want to go in just briefly before we get into tonight's service about baptism and why baptism is important. So baptism isn't an act that gets us into heaven. Um, our faith in Jesus Christ is the only thing that gets us into heaven. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross did everything and it paid it all. But what baptism is, baptism, um, it's an act of obedience that Christ calls us to do after we have given our life to Jesus. And so because of that, we, out of an act of obedience, get baptized. And baptism is a, symbol, a symbolic thing that symbolizes three different things. It symbolizes that Christians, as we've been baptized, we die to Christ as we go down, and that we rise in Christ, a new creature, or a new creature as we come up. And then the third thing is, it is an outward expression of what has already happened within our hearts. And so, like, I am married to my wife. I wear a wedding ring. If I take this wedding ring off, it doesn't make me no longer married to my wife. I'm still married, but I wear the wedding ring as an outward expression of my relationship to my wife. Baptism is the same thing. It is an outward expression for what has happened within your hearts, in your minds, and in your life. And so for me, just for an example, I was sprinkled as a baby. I grew up in the Lutheran church. I was sprinkled. But I didn't get baptized full immersion until after I had given my life to Christ in Chi Alpha. Because what I felt like was, even though I had been baptized and sprinkled as a kid, I didn't make that decision to be baptized. And so it was in a new relationship with Jesus, I then decided I had given my life to Christ. My relationship with Jesus was my own. I then wanted to make the decision to be baptized. And so I was baptized as a Chi Alpha student um, years ago. And so... Um, if that's you, you know, baptism is one of those things where if maybe you were baptized as a baby, but now you've kind of walking in your relationship with Jesus and you would like to do it because it is a decision that you would like to make. Um, like I said, we're going to be doing a baptism service in a few weeks, maybe about a, about a month away. Um, and I would love to talk to you more about it because I want to share some things with you if this is you. I know there's going to be a, a few of you guys, and so we want to plan it all out and figure out what's going to be best for the group as a whole, how and when to do it. And so um, on that note of baptism and making the decision for Christ, um, you guys as college students are at this place in your life right now where this is really the first time in your life, you can go to the next slide, the first time in your life that you get to make the decisions that could possibly drastically change your future. Yes, embrace is spelled wrong. The is also spelled wrong. We're going to embrace the awkward. It's going to get more awkward as we go on. And the goal is to get your minds off of it, stop thinking about it, and embrace the awkward. That was a pretty smooth transition. We went from baptism to embracing the awkward. You didn't even realize we got into the sermon, huh? Boom. All right. Transition. I've been working on them. My transitions usually suck. So, cool. Pat myself on the back. All right. So, right now, in your relation, or, uh, as a college student, you get to make decisions that are going to drastically affect your future. 
right now you have more power and more control over your future than you've ever had before. Because when you were in high school, your parents, grandparents, whoever raised you, whoever was in charge, they had a lot of say in who you were going to become and, and what your future was going to look like. But then now you're in college and you get to make those decisions for yourself. But at the same time, this is also one of the last times in your life that making a decision about your future is going to be easy. Because if I was to go back to school and decide, you know what, I wanted to be a doctor, it would affect my entire life. And so not only that, going back to school and taking the classes would be harder because now I've got bills to pay. I've got all of this, you know, life has accrued and there's a lot of cost that goes into living. And I would have to figure out a way to take care of those things while at the same time I was taking the classes. But at the same time, it also wouldn't just affect me. It would affect my wife and it would affect my son. And so making a decision to all of a sudden just, you know what, I want to change my major. I want to do something other than be a pastor. It would take a lot more work for me than it would for you. And so right now as a college student, you get to make these decisions and it gets to be just a little bit easier for you than it will be for the rest of your life. Throughout the rest of your life, it will get harder and harder. And as the years go on, Matt is like older than me, so I just call him an old man. But <clears throat> same thing. Now Matt's got two kids, and it would affect him, his wife, and his kids. It becomes harder and harder as we go on in our life. And so for you guys, same thing, like I'm saying. It's really the first time you've had full control, and it's also one of the easiest times in your life that you can significantly change your future. And so even though if you were to decide to become a doctor, the classes you would take would be the same as me, but it would still be easier for you. And so you're in that perfect window right now. You get to make the decisions for yourself and it's easy to change. It's easy to make those changes. It's easy to make those decisions. And I know sometimes it feels like it's impossible, but right now it really is for you guys the easiest point in your life that it will ever be for you to make changes and become who you want to become. I remember when I was in college and uh, I was making some pretty big decisions for myself. I had just transferred to Shadron from Colorado State. I had just quit playing football and uh, I had to give up playing college football. And college football was really the one thing that was going gonna, was gonna to propel me into my future. I gave up on that and I came back to Shadron and decided I wanted to be a vet or a doctor. And... I'm going to these classes and I'm wrestling with it because I'm hating every second of these classes. I despised the classes. Even though I was good at biology, I took anatomy and physiology. I got good grades and I enjoyed some of the material, but the classes as a whole and the content as a whole, I was miserable. I didn't enjoy what I was studying. And I started to do a little bit of soul searching. I was trying to figure out Hey, maybe, maybe becoming a vet, maybe becoming a doctor isn't for me. Maybe the, the medical world isn't right for me. And so I reached out to a friend just to kind of vent through some things and talk through some things with him. And so as I'm having this conversation with him, I'm trying to communicate. I'm trying to, to communicate with him my heart and what's going on and all of this stuff. And, and uh, the last thing he says to me is, you're going to have to decide this on your own. And for me, that was the last thing that I wanted to hear. Because I wanted him to just tell me, dude, change your major. Seriously, you're not happy. Just change your major. You're miserable. You don't want to become a doctor. Just change your major. But he was a good friend and he told me, no, you're going to have to decide this on your own. And slowly through that, that one statement, 
I started to realize that the reason I wanted to become a doctor was because there was some sort of pressure, whether it was real or imagined, there was a pressure for me to jump into a job and jump into a career that I considered reputable, something that was high esteemed in order to make my parents proud, in order to make my family proud, in order to be who, was, who I was designed to be, that I needed to do something that made me a lot of money or I needed to do something that was that high-end class job. And that was the only reason I wanted to become a doctor. It wasn't because I enjoyed the material. It wasn't because I had a passion for helping people. It wasn't anything like that. It was because of external pressure that I had chosen my major. And so I was trying to change my major, but at the same time, I was still looking to other people to tell me what to do. I was allowing and I was trying to force other people to dictate my life for me. And so as college students, that's one thing is I want to do is I want to warn you guys. I want you guys to take a step back and really start to take ownership of your future. Stop allowing your parents, your friends, your siblings, stop allowing other people to dictate your future for you. Because if you do that, you will be miserable for the rest of your life. You're going to hate the job you have and you're going to take it out on everybody around you. You need to be doing things because God has called you to them or because you enjoy them or because you have a reason for wanting to go into that major or going into that career. But we as humans, we continually seek out the easy way of doing things. And that's kind of what we want to, I want to talk about tonight. We constantly seek out the easy way to do things. No matter what, we try to cut corners. When we're studying for tests, we try to figure out the easiest way to, to quickly memorize things so that we can memorize it, take the test, and then I promise you when you study like that, five years down the road, you're not going to remember a single thing you studied in college. And so the entire point of you going to college for your major will be mute because you're not going to remember anything from it anyway. Because we cut corners, we take the shortcuts. We like to take the path of, of least resistance. I remember there was a, there's a picture, I, I believe it's Harvard, of their Dean's Green. And there's just a ton of sidewalks just all over the place. Like they go in every direction. And the reason it looks like that, it looks ugly. It looks absolutely hideous. But the reason it looks like that is because when they put the Dean's Green originally, they didn't put any sidewalks in and they just let students walk across it. And then wherever they wore a path in, they put a sidewalk so that the green would stay green and they would quit killing the grass. We as humans, we take the path of least resistance constantly. Now, sometimes the things that we're trying to take the path of least resistance from resist us the most. Because our friends, our family, that guy or girl you're desperately trying to impress, when we take the path of least resistance, those are the people who we're trying to please. And when we stop trying to please those people, those are the people, those are the same people who will resist us the most. Sometimes it's our parents. There's those people in our lives who influence us the most. And as we try to perform for them, eventually when we cut from the mold and we do things for ourselves, those are going to be the people who resist us the most. And so tonight, like I said, we're going to embrace the awkward and we're going to evaluate what trusting in God above everything else looks like and what it looks like within the Bible. And so 
If you uh, if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to turn to Matthew six. If not, they'll be up on the screen. <clears throat> Matthew six, starting in verse twenty five, it says, "Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes?" Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor <laughs> Solomon in all of his splendor uh, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom and the righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So we're going to come back to this and we're going to break it down a little bit. It's a lengthy piece of scripture. It's easy to zone out as I'm reading the Bible. I know I zone out when I'm listening to preachers read from the Bible as well. So we're going to come back and we're going to break that down a little bit. But how many of you guys like bowling? Like four of you. How many of you guys tolerate bowling? So... When I was growing up, I decided my parents bowled, uh, my brother bowled for a while. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to join the bowling league because I played any and every sport that existed. If it was a sport and I was allowed and it was in season and I had the time for it, I played it. And so I decided I was going to go out for bowling and I convinced one of my friends to come and try out the bowling league with me. And so because my parents bowled, I had a few form things down. I kind of knew some small things of how you were supposed to approach and how your form was supposed to look. My friend, on the other hand, didn't have any information at all. Now, given I had the form ideas down, but I still sucked at bowling. But my friend knew absolutely nothing. And so, so we're bowling and uh, I'm bowling and I'm bowling horribly. My friend is bowling and he's bowling horribly, but just a little bit better than me. But it looked like he was gonna break something. Like his form and his body, I didn't know, could twist in the weird ways that he was twisting in order to try to get the ball down the lane. It looked like it was going to hurt. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to speak up. Because typically when it comes to sports or working out, I have this, I'm not going to talk to you policy unless you ask me for advice or if it looks like you're going to hurt yourself. And it looked like he was going to hurt himself. So I walk up to him and I'm like, hey, dude, your form is horrible. And so I went through and I was like, you know what, here, I'm going to teach you some things. My mom's taught me all this stuff. And he sat there and he nodded and he listened and he paid attention to what I was saying. And I said, I probably spent 10 minutes trying to explain to him what I knew and everything that I knew about form and bowling. And I get done talking. He waits for me to get done talking and I get done talking. And he just says to me simply, yeah, but I have a better score than you. So I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Uh, no offense. I was like, okay. So I was like, obviously I was offended because pride, we all have it. 
And so I got a little butt hurt and I decided whatever. So I'm going to try as hard as I can to be better than him, whatever. And it didn't work. He was still better than me with this horrible form. And so I'm just frustrated at this point because I'm like, this is stupid. And eventually the bowling instructor walks over, sits him down and goes, hey, dude, you're going to hurt yourself. And just kind of like, I'm going to talk you through the form that you need in order to do this the right way. So he sits there and he listens to the teacher and all the way I'm just sitting there, you know, that smugness is pouring over me that I told you so is just exuding from every pore in my body. Like I'm ready for the teacher to get done talking and then be walk up to him and be like, yeah, that's right. And then for him to be like, I'm sorry, I doubted you. You were amazing at bowling. And like, I was all prepared for this in my head. And the instructor gets done and he walks up, the instructor walks off and he didn't change his form. And he just continued with the exact same stuff that he was doing prior. And so at this point, I'm just kind of confused. I'm like, I'm like just waiting for him to apologize to me, but instead he just keeps doing what he's doing. And so I'm just like, at this point, wanting to laugh at him. Like, not only did your friend tell you the right form, then the teacher who teaches bowling and is way better than you comes up and says, you know what? Hey, you need to do this the right way. And literally says basically word for word everything that I just got done t telling him for the last like 10 minutes. But he didn't change. Nothing. Just continued walking up and throwing the ball in ways that I can't even explain. It just looked like it hurt. Pride is an incredible thing. And that's literally what my friend was doing, was out of pride, continuing to do the same thing over and over again. In a matter of weeks, I started getting better. My friend stayed exactly where he was. And eventually I was better than my friend. And my friend at this point could choose, you know what, I'm going to change my form. I'm going to apologize. I'm going to own up. Clearly I was wrong. And instead he just quits. Decides he's done with bowling. Pride is an incredible thing. So rather than embracing the awkward of admitting, you know what? I was wrong. I don't have the right form. I don't know what I'm doing. You were right. I apologize. You didn't even have to apologize. Just change your form. It's not even that big of a deal. But instead, he decided he would just continue doing the same thing that he was doing. And this story sounds like way out there, right? Like how many of us would really do the same thing? But when we take a step back and we think about it, how many of us do the exact same thing with other aspects of our life? How many times do we know the right answer and we continue to do the same thing over and over again, expecting different results? We are all guilty of the exact same thing my friend did. There's so many aspects of our life and so many facets of our life that we are so stubborn and just refuse to change. And we're starting to grow bitter and angry at God because things in our life aren't getting better. We're still struggling in this area, but we're not doing anything to grow or change. We're continuing in the same patterns we've continued to struggle with before. And the reason is because as humans, we don't like change. We are almost inherently stubborn. 
Our sin causes us to be stubborn. We are super stubborn people. Now, I don't believe that there's a single person in here who genuinely believes that you're perfect, but yet our tendencies in our life are to act like it. We oftentimes act like we have everything all together. We act like we have everything all, you know, we, we put on that cool and collected surface and we just kind of go through life pretending like we got everything together. We're good. Us guys, I will say, guys tend to struggle with even more than girls. We put on that tough exterior and we just push on and just hope that things are going to change and that we don't have to do anything to change them. We continue to cut corners and we continue to take the easy way out. Verse 25 says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what your parents or your friends think about, about what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear, what major you'll study, what everyone else thinks of you. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Our mind more than what our job will be, our lives more than a diploma. I know that's not exactly what it says. I'm paraphrasing and I'm making it more modern. But then it says, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? So with this scripture, we want to keep in mind that the world we live in today is vastly different than the world that was existing when this was written. Basic hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is a word that basically is a fancy word for how to study the Bible. There's a science of how to study the Bible correctly. It's called hermeneutics. There's a few different theory or a few different methods of hermeneutics, but the basics of hermeneutics are almost universally the same. The basics of hermeneutics tell us that what we have to do is we have to take the truth out of this and then apply it to ourselves today, not the other way around. So we need to find out what it meant to them and then apply it and see how it means and what it means to us. And so for these guys, the ancient Jews, they obviously weren't worried about social media. They weren't worried about their cell phone. They weren't worried about the same things that you're worried about. The ancient Jews were more worried about other things like drought. How many of you guys, even though Nebraska was in one of the worst droughts we've had in a long time, how many of you guys were genuinely concerned that we as a, as a community were going to go without food? that we were going to starve, that you were going to starve to death. Exactly. The Jews back then, if they were to go through the same drought that our communities went through this year in the state of Nebraska as a whole, it would have been absolutely 100% changing their life. And I'll bet none of you guys even realized, well, some of you guys that are majors that would, have, would study this probably realized, but a lot of you probably didn't even realize that there's a nasty major drought going on because our store shelves are stocked. We have food. We have what we need to eat. And so we're not concerned about the same things that they're concerned about. So we need to take a second and we need to then apply, okay, what is the truth from then and how can we apply it to today? And so the truth of what they were learning is basically these things that they worry about. Food, clothes, the things of their culture that were a bigger concern than they are today. They were worried about those things and God is telling them, Seriously, if it's important, if it's so important, like we literally need food to live. If it's important for you, you need to trust in God. You need to stop spending time worrying and toiling away your time on this earth, worried about things that God has already got done for you, that God's already preparing for you, that God's already working out for you. And so 
Tonight, I want you to ask yourself, we're going to take a couple seconds here in a, in a minute, but I want you to think about what worries you the most. What do you spend the most amount of time? What do you spend the most amount of time on worrying about? Is it good grades? Is it money? Is it impressing a guy or a girl? Is it impressing friends? Is it worrying about fitting in? Is it worrying about pleasing your parents? Is it about making varsity, going pro in a sport? Is it about being popular? Is it about having friends? Those are just some examples, but I want you to take, we're going to take 10 seconds and I want you to seriously think about what are the top two things that you spend the most time worrying about? Everybody have at least one thing. Okay, so keeping that one thing in mind, those two things in mind, I'm going to ask you the same thing that this Bible passage asks us. Can any one of you, by worrying about that thing, you've got it in your mind, can any of you, by worrying about that thing, add a single hour to your life? Verse 32, For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need it, but seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Seek first Jesus' kingdom, and Jesus' righteousness, and then those things that you actually need, those things that you need, will be given to you as well. So the Bible gives us the blueprint about how to deal with stress, how to deal with anxiety, how to deal with worry, how to deal with our life, how to deal with our parents, how to deal with those external factors that are pressuring us to do things and live a certain way. It literally is giving us the blueprint. Verse 33 says, But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. So, how many times as Christians, as people who believe in Jesus, who know Jesus, and are learning the Bible, how many times when things get busy or things get stressful, how often is the first thing that we cut our time with God. The first thing we cut, our prayer time. The first thing we cut, reading Scripture. The first thing we cut, Chi Alpha. The first thing we cut, church. Small group. Those things. Conferences. How many times is it one of the very first things that we cut? And now, I'm a pastor and I'm guilty of doing this. I'm just as guilty as you guys are of doing this. Even as a pastor, there are times where I'm busy and I'm stressed and I'm trying to take care of my son and I'm juggling, trying to work out a sermon and I'm doing this and I'm doing that and trying to get stuff done. And I'm just like, you know what? I don't have time to, to read my Bible today. I do it too. But I will say that when I do those things, it doesn't give me the time that I feel like it will give me. It never does. It almost always seems to rob me of even more time. And in a state of vulnerability, I'm going to just be honest with you guys. Lately, one of the biggest things that I've been sacrificing for what I would consider good reasons are my Sabbath days. Scripture is pretty clear that we need to take Sabbaths. One day per week where we dedicate it to rest. And I've been convicted by the Holy Spirit that I need to take my Sabbath days seriously. And this school year, I was talking to the guys, and, and uh, this school year up until midterm break, I had only taken two days off. 
I had worked the entire semester every single day other than two days this semester. And now for me, it was harder because those days where I was working, those days where I was doing things, it's for God, right? But I was still not being loyal to what the Holy Spirit had asked me of or asked of me. I was still in defiance for what I knew I should be doing. So then I get midterm break comes and I get three days off. And then all of a sudden, wouldn't you know, I'm able to get stuff done way better. I'm able to be more efficient in my sermon prep. I'm more efficient in my one-on-ones. I'm more efficient in my small group prep. I'm more efficient in all of these other things in, in figuring out the budget and doing support raising. I've been more efficient since I took that time off and I got that rest. And that just tells me that the reason God asks us to do these things is because He already knows it's beneficial for us. He already knows what our future entails. And so He's called us to these things. He's asked us to do these things. And He already knows the results. And I found that, and I've, I've found that I've been having this conversation with Chi Alpha students, all of like quite a few of you guys, quite a bit this semester. The one thing I want to charge you, and, and I think Andy Estrella even talked about it at retreat a little bit too. Be careful to not cut the things that bring you life for the things that take life away. So as in spending time with God, praying, reading your Bible, going to men's group, coming to Chi Alpha, these are things that bring you life. They bring you, they give you life because it's God, it's Jesus. A lot of times when we sacrifice those things, what ends up happening is it takes a lot more of our life away because the things that were giving us life are no longer there and the things that take life away and those things that burn us out are still just as present as before. And so that equilibrium within our body of getting life and draining life starts to get a little skewed. And then every single minute we spend studying takes us two minutes to get one minute worth of studying. It takes double the amount of time to do these external things as it normally would. And I think that's because our equilibrium gets off. And so in our relationship with Jesus, He hasn't called us to cut corners. In fact, over and over again within Scripture, you can see it repeated that Jesus calls us to first dedicate ourselves to Him. Give our first fruits to Jesus. But how many times do we give the leftovers to Jesus? We give that last few seconds of our day to Jesus. Or we give that five minutes in the morning to Jesus. Or we just give a little bit here, a little bit there. But He's asking for our first fruits. He's asking to us, dedicate ourselves first to Him. Verse 33 says, But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own to open. Or of its own, sorry. So to wrap up tonight's sermon and wrap up this message and kind of bring it all together. So we're talking about time management We're talking about the things that bring us life. We're talking about reading our Bible, spending time in prayer. We're talking about those things. And at the same time, we were also talking about the external forces on us that are presented by mom, dad, brother, sister, friend, coach. Those external forces, they have expectations of you. And a lot of times we then sacrifice our relationship with Jesus for those external forces. And going back to what I broke or what I started out tonight with, of this is the easiest time for you to affect your future, 
And it is also the first time where you really truly get to affect your future. And so I want to challenge you that while you are college students, while you are here in this place where your future is moldable and where your life is moldable, start taking some of this stuff a little more seriously. Start dedicating first to Christ. Start actually spending time with God daily. And you will be amazed at how over the next few years or however the last few years that you have in college, or even if some of you guys are seniors, over the next semester before you graduate, of how your life will begin to be less stressful, less anxiety. It'll start to clear up. Everything will start to become easier. Because when it comes down to it, you're going to face the same hardships as everybody else is going to face in this world. Obviously, we're all going to face different hardships. But I mean, as Christians, we're not protected from the world. We're not protected from hardship. We're not protected from stress. We're not protected from things that will cause anxiety. We have the same things in our lives as everybody else. But the difference is we have Jesus. We have hope in Jesus. We have a relationship with Jesus. And when we sacrifice that, and we sacrifice that relationship with God, and we sacrifice time with God, really all we're doing is wanting to become more like the world. And so we're sacrificing the one thing that makes us different. The one thing that gives us hope. The one thing that gives us a promise for a future. If we sacrifice that too much, eventually we start to fall into this pit of stress, anxiety, and hopelessness. And so we're going to close in prayer, but I just want to encourage you guys, again, if you've been dealing with a lot of stress this semester, you've been dealing with a lot of anxiety this semester, if, if just things have been hard and haven't been making sense, I want you to ask yourself, take a step back and ask yourself, have you really been dedicating time to your relationship with Jesus? Because Scripture talks about over and over again that our relationship with Jesus is to be a marriage. And I can tell you that if my marriage with my wife consisted of me talking to her for five minutes in the morning, and then that was it, we probably wouldn't have a very good marriage. A relationship is so much deeper than that. It should be so much more than that. It should be, uh, as Scripture says, prayer continually. Now, obviously, we can't continually pray because we've got other stuff, but it's, it's the idea of trying to seek out a relationship with Jesus where we're not putting Him in a box in a corner in our bedroom, where when I'm going to Walmart, I can see God and I can have conversations with God. When I'm talking with friends, I can be in tune with the Holy Spirit and I can have those relationships with with God while I'm having a relationship with other people. It's it's making God the center of your world rather than that thing that's in the corner, that religion that you study. It's it's allowing yourself to become more like Jesus rather than seeing Jesus as this external uh, figure that died for you and he's over here, but my life is over here. Jesus is over here, but my money is going to be over here. Jesus is over here, but my career is over here. No, it's got to be one and the same. Our relationship with Jesus, a career without a relationship with Jesus, and without that intimacy of Jesus is going to leave you even more stubborn, or not more stubborn, more stressful, more anxiety-ridden than you are already. And so let's pray. Dear Lord, as we, uh, as students who struggle with so much of the external pressures that, that fall upon us, the, the need to, to, to satisfy those external pressures, the, the mom, the dad, the, the sibling, the, the coach, the whoever it is, even the pastor, 
as those external forces continue to pummel us. I pray that, Lord, these students would be able to separate themselves from those external forces and allow you to be the main voice in their life. I pray that they would look up to you and seek you first. Lord, that they would seek your opinion over their parents' opinion. That they would seek your opinion over their teacher's opinion. That they would seek your opinion over society's opinion. Lord, that they would align themselves better with you more and more each day. That as this semester goes on, Lord, that they would start to feel that stress and that anxiety and that pressure and that depression. Lord, the God, that feeling of hopelessness that as they begin to shift, as they begin to shift their life to be focused on you first, that those things would start to cease, that those start, things would start to fall away. That hopelessness and that depression, Lord, that it would begin to fall away as they dedicate themselves more to you. God, I pray that those external forces would have a quieter voice throughout this semester, that those external voices would be silenced. And Lord, that these guys could become who you have created them to be. Lord, that they could find that joy and that passion in their life, that they could find that joy and that passion in their careers and in their field of study, Lord, that they could begin to really dive into who you designed them to be. Lord, we give these guys over to you for your will to be done in their life. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.